A civil rights leader in Washington state is embroiled in a bizarre race controversy. This morning, the woman who leads the Spokane chapter of the NAACP is being accused of falsely portraying herself as black. Rachel Dolezal's own... In June 2015, a few days before Donald Trump declared that he was running for president, the news cycle was dominated by a different person, Rachel Dolezal. She was the head of the Spokane chapter of the NAACP, an artist, a teacher of black-themed subjects, and as it turned out, the daughter of white parents. She said she identified as black and was living the life she felt was authentically her own. Her critics believed she had been living a lie, letting people assume she was black, and years before, as a Howard University grad student, suing the university, alleging that it had discriminated against her because she was a white woman. Long divorced from her African-American husband, Dolezal is now bringing up three black sons, the youngest a year old. And she is still living as she was when she decided to, quote, be black without any explanations, reservations, apologies, or room for negotiation. Her new autobiography, In Full Color, strikes the same tone. The wrongs in her story belong to a race-obsessed society that doesn't permit people like her to be who they really feel themselves to be. Why do you think your story created such a stir in this country? Well, I've, I feel like you know people really want to talk about race and need to talk about it, and America has never really had something like a Truth and Reconciliation Commission or reparations or some substantive means of settling the score, per se, and, and really healing the wounds of racism. So presenting my, my story as full context, I think, is really another opportunity, another chance to heal. And We're all familiar with stories about black people, quote-unquote, passing, and the idea that someone would want to be able to live in a, a white world with the advantages there is pretty obvious. I guess you stumped everybody with the idea that you'd want to do it the other way. I think I understand why people would make that connection with racial passing historically from black to white. To identify as is is different than passing for and being exactly who I, who I am in every sense of the way. You know, it's it's not like I feel like I chose my identity in the way people think I have. I simply embraced the way I feel and who I am at the core of my soul, and um, that's my my identity. My my identity coming to claim a a black identity really didn't feel um, like something that was appropriated or foreign or added or in any way different than who who I was. It was actually a journey to, toward who I always had been. I mean, I feel like I first encountered um, a black identity really within myself and my response to black as beautiful and inspirational. And then um, it really grew from there. And you wrote in the book that, that living as a black woman made your life infinitely better. It also made it infinitely harder. Well, in that it made it infinitely better is being exactly who I am and being able to fully express that and live that truth, I think, is just you know, a huge relief for me 
so that's that's the upside, right? That's the the good of it all. Mm-hmm. And the the trade off is, of course, it's not easy being black in America and um, being more qualified for a job and constantly overlooked or rejected in favor of someone who fits more neatly into the cookie cutter mold, somebody who's not, as I am, a radical progressive feminist with a pro-black agenda, but being constantly mocked, ridiculed, bullied, discriminated against because of the style of my hair, the, the clothes I wear, the values I promote, the culture I love, I think that would also be, you know, an essential experience of a black woman that, you know, it's difficult and challenging and having people stare at me and my kids with disgust and mistreat us and deny us, you know, equal opportunities, living with everyday anxiety that my teenage sons might be racially profiled and all these are experiences that are hard and are the trade-off, but I wouldn't really do it any differently if I had to do it over Mm -hmm. again. I just wish that there would be a, a way in society for me to have been able to live out in the open freely sooner and wish it wouldn't have taken me 30 years to get there. And people just assumed from the way you dressed and where you lived, that sort of thing, that you were black. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not inaccurate. Some people assume that I was born to one or more black parents, which was kind of the big surprise in 2015 to a lot of those people. You know, it's hard for me to kind of express or to say, hey, people really saw the realness of me through the work that I did and my vibe and, you know, the culture that I live and really saw the real blackness of me. They weren't seeing just my hair or, you know, some kind of a disguise or a fake thing, they were really seeing me for who I am. And other people just were not able to kind of make that jump because race is a social construct until we don't want it to be. And then for some people, it's just a social construct in theory, but in actuality, they believe that race is very biological. There is a biological element to it. In the book, you note that NAACP President Benjamin Jealous DNA is 18% Sub-Saharan African and 80% European. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily see that discussing Benjamin Jealous's DNA tests or any of the even DNA tests in general being me conceding to race being biological, because I really, you know, believe that race is a social construct, even if we don't want it to be. Period. When it comes to DNA, if we were to actually call continental ancestry groups race or races, then we would have to have 5,000 categories on forms. You know, clearly we don't have that. So over the years, it's been three or four or five, or now we have 15 categories on the census constantly changing, which really I would say more proves that race is not biological more than it is. Some people ask me if you know, race is a social construct, why would I identify as black? Why would I just not identify as transracial or non-racial? I unapologetically stand on the black side with my internal values and sense of self, but by no means did I intend to somehow underscore some sort of, you know, biological aspect of, of race being legitimate and bringing up the DNA 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote about you in Time magazine. He said that the black community is better off because of your efforts and that yours seems to be more a case of standing up and saying, I am Spartacus, rather than a conspiracy to defraud. And yet there were black people who thought, what's she trying to get away with here? Yeah, I really appreciate Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all of those who really got it. But there certainly were white liberals, black commentators, social media, you know, at large white conservatives, and others, people from the LGBT community. Just about every social group publicly really did mock me and shame me. So I really admire the courage of those who stood up more publicly, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Rihanna and even Malcolm X's oldest daughter, Tala Shabazz. There's a new awareness of gender identity and gender fluidity. Are you putting racial identity on the same basis as that? At about the same time as your story, there was the news that Caitlyn Jenner, formerly Bruce Jenner, was embracing a female identity. Well, the parallel that was most obvious was just the way that the public and the media reacted to those stories, which almost came out simultaneously. So, Caitlyn Jenner's story and my story were like a one-two punch on identity, and identity was actually named like the word of the year for 2015. Certainly every category of identity has its unique qualities and challenges and, and um, experiences, so I'm not by any means trying to say that it's exactly the same. But in as much as you know, somebody like Caitlyn Jenner and I were both born into a category and really feel that we fit in a different category better, some people will forever see both of us as our birth category and nothing further. I think that's a parallel. I also think that when it comes to the need to harmonize the outer appearance to you know kind of synchronize with the, the inner being and feeling in the core of the person, there's also a similarity in just that process. There's a huge difference, though, in the stigma because transgender and just gender identity is, has, has made so much progress socially in being moved from the very binary mold that it once had to a much more expansive and empathetic view of a spectrum of gender identity. In your book, you talk about all the boxes that we check in our lives. And there are more boxes now, as you noted, about race and maybe about gender, too. Um, is it time to get rid of these boxes? Don't they serve some purpose? Well, I think we really need to evaluate what purpose the boxes, you know, are serving and not serving and how they're, you know, in what ways are they helpful or in what ways are they hurtful? I still, for that one form that was so publicly scrutinized with my application for the unpaid position of chair of police ombudsman commission. This is where you checked off the box that said black. Well, I checked all three. Yeah, black, white, black, and Native American. You know, I, I still feel like that is the best representation for the reality of who I am and what I would do in that position. You changed your name. Um, has that helped you find work? Yeah, I hope that it would. But what's happened is, you know, the the reality then that once there's an interview, whether my hair is curly or in braids, people just recognize me. I have looked in academia. I've looked in nonprofit sectors. I've applied to government jobs. 
I've even applied just as entry-level grocery store worker. Nothing. Yeah, from reading your book, it sounded like this is people who think that because you were born white, you had the privilege of making a choice where people who are born black do not. I don't feel like I chose my identity in the way that people think I have. And <clears throat> some people that say that also say that I like brought all of this negativity on myself and to suggest that the negative reaction is really my doing is massively inaccurate and kind of an attempt to shift the blame, I feel, because really disregarding the epic amounts of ignorance and hatred and shaming and whatever that were really constantly directed toward me. Me just being myself really, I don't feel, should be considered an open invitation for people to initiate their hate, you know. I'm still here and I'm still me and I hope to live a full life and provide for my kids and fight for the cause and hopefully this book will be an important part of history and maybe even a teaching tool for educators at some point. Well, Rachel Dolezal, thank you for the time. Well, thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. The audio is from CBS This Morning. I am Pat Morrison.